it slowly. And Lord, you are our precious silver. Lord, you are more costly than gold. Heavenly Father, I give you praise, Lord. I thank you for today. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy, Lord. Thank you for your presence in this place, Lord. Thank you for you about to do what you alone can do in this room, Lord. I pray, Lord, I think through my mind and you speak through my lips your word today. I won't speak a word of mine, but I'll speak yours alone in the name of Jesus. Edify all of us in this room in the name of Jesus. We come against every spirit of distraction in this room. And we pray, Lord, that all eyes on Jesus in the name of Jesus. Be thou glorified for in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. So we started Nehemiah. Um, I read, uh, we, we took a lot of lessons from chapter 1. And then chapter 2 from verse 1 to 8. So we're going to continue today. I'm going to use... Um, New King James Version from verse 9. I'm going to read all the way to 20, which is the last verse. And then we also touch down chapter 3 today. Amen. So then I went to the governors in the region beyond the river and gave them the king's letter. Now the king had sent captains of the army and horsemen with me. When Sambalat the Oronite and Tobiah the Ammonite official, official head of it, they were, disturbed, they were dis deeply disturbed that a man had come to seek the well-being of the children of Israel. So I came to Jerusalem, verse 11, and was there three days. Then I arose in the night, and I and a few men with me, I told no one what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. Nor was there any animal with me except the one which I rode on. And I went out by night through the valley gate to the serpent well and the refuse gate and viewed the walls of Jerusalem which were broken down and its gates which were burned with fire then I went on to the fountain of the um, to the fountain gate and to the king's pool but there was no room for the animal under me to pass so I went up in the night by the valley and viewed the wall then I turned back and entered by the valley gate and so returned and the officials did not and the officials did not know where I had gone or what I had done. I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, or the or the other, or the others who did the work. Then I said to them, You see the distress that you see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies waste, and its gates are burned with fire. Come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem, that we may no longer be a reproach. And I told them of the hand of my God which had been upon me and also of the king's words that he had spoken to me. So they said, let us rise up and build. Then they set their hands to do this good work. But when Sambalat and Tobiah and the Geshem, the Arab, head of it, they laughed at us and despised us and said, what is this thing that you are doing? Will you rebel against the king? So I answered them and said to them, 
the God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we his servants, we arise and build. But you have no heritage or right or memorial in Jerusalem. Amen. So I started talking about Nehemiah. It's the very key figure in the Bible. We're talking about rebuilding the walls. How a man who was born into exile, that is uh, his father, father's father's land. There were generations before him that gave birth to him in a foreign land. And then he came, and, uh, and then um, his brothers uh, by tribe came to meet him in a foreign land where he was serving the king to tell him about the problem in Jerusalem. And then out of compassion, he wept, he cried, he prayed to God, you know, within the um, space of four months, planning, thinking. And then he left, and then the, he left with the blessing of the king for a certain time. And how a man who for over for close to 100 years his people were trying to rebuild a wall or they had it in mind that they were going to build a wall but they didn't build it nothing was done regarding that wall but a man who stepped in a layman, ordinary man stepped into the scene to build that wall within two months and we're learning a lot from his life You know what are the secrets behind this kind of man many of us we are used to situations in the world today, you know, a lot of bad news, different things, different difficulties in the world. And then we're going to be seeing how we can apply that and fulfill our purpose here on earth. Amen. So this man here, I'll just say, he's a leader. And God has called all of us as leaders. So as we're learning these lessons, just focus your mind that you are a leader. You are a leader. Someone said, some said, nobody is born a leader. You determine if you're going to be a leader or not. And it's the simple truth, like you, you can be born into a royal family. It doesn't make you a leader. You might just be a ruler. Amen. You have a witness in the house. You might be a politician. You might and have any um, seat as a governor or anything. It doesn't make you a leader. You're just a politician with an office. The best or the closest you can go to is being a ruler. But leaders are those people who make a difference, who do something about leadership, who are followers, who are loyal to them who believe in their leadership. Amen. So, from verse 9, it says, Then I went to the governors in the region beyond the river and gave them the king's letter. Now the king had sent captains of the army and horsemen with me. Had given us 11 lessons, and today I'm going to give us 12 lessons briefly. The 12th lesson for us to learn is what? Immediate action. Taking action. Um, Remember what the mother of Jesus said to the servant. Say, whatsoever thing, in John chapter 2, verse 5, whatsoever thing he asks you to do, just do it. Say, be, no, be not hearers of the word only, but what? Be doers. In this kingdom, action is important. You know, we keep taking steps by step. Nehemiah was a person of action. He never held back. Many of us, if I begin to ask us right now about our dreams, about things we want to achieve in life, we can, we can sit down within one hour, two hours, talking about the things or the pictures we have in our hearts. But if I then go further to ask, so what are you doing concerning it? There are some people who will be, who will be embarrassed by such a question. So Nehemiah was not, you know, he had received the permission from the king and he took everything, but then he instantly, he didn't wait. Instant action is important. What are you always doing? If you are not going up, you, you can never be stagnant. You are going down. You're either going forward or you're going backward. So it's left for you to decide what are you doing. Um, even in our academics, many of us can pay me witness, uh, can 
bear witness with me. During summer holiday, for example, many of us, you know, you don't read, you're not touching anything. And then that first week of resumption in September, your head is a bit rusty. Do you have a witness in the house? Okay, nobody used to read in summer. Amen. <laughs> your head is a bit rusty. Because of what? You, was, you, you thought you were stagnant, but you were actually going back because you were not doing anything concerning it. So it's either in life, nobody can actually stand in one place. You're either moving forward or you're moving backward. And so the dreams, the visions, the things you have, what are you doing concerning them? That thing God has called you to do, now you have the facilities, you have the, um, the equipment to do them. So what are you doing with that instrument? When, the, the, when they were in front of the Red Sea, the Israelites, and then Moses and people began to cry and everything, and then Moses asked them not to cry, that God is going to fight for them, and went to God. And God said, what is in your hand? And so, so many times, what is in our hand is actually the, the miracle we need. Amen. So this is Nehemiah. He had letters. So then I went to the governors in the region beyond the river and gave them the king's letters. That is an action. And afterwards, now the king had sent captains of the army and horsemen with me. And afterwards, it began to move. So uh, running with the vision is important. Running with that thing that is in your heart is very important. But Martin Luther said something. He said that if you can't fly, you run. If you can't run, you do what? You walk. If you can't walk, you do what? You crawl. But just make sure you are what? You are moving. And movement is important. What are you doing? Every single point there, what are you doing? Yes, there are times of, um, there's a huge difference between isolation and solitude. Solitude is action itself because you are withdrawing yourself to recharge yourself. So that recharge is also what? It's also action. So at the end of the day, what you experience, you experience a revamp. And then when you launch in, you launch in properly. So it's still action and not just isolating yourself, doing nothing about that thing God has placed in your life. And this is Nehemiah. He kept moving. The 13th lesson I'll give to us is you are a king, you are a prince. You are a priest. You are royal people. And authorities deal with authorities. Let me give you an instance. If, for example, you, um, you, you, you are in the business uh, sphere and you are to meet with Bill Gates. And then um, Mark Zuckerberg, you know Mark Zuckerberg. And you leave Mark Zuckerberg and you're dealing with, um, with Bill Gates' driver. That please help me to push this thing. Please, when, if Mark Zuckerberg submits a letter and his, um, Bill Gates' driver submits a letter to Bill Gates, which one will it open first? So people are looking at me. It's Mark, of course, because authority to authority. Many of us, were like, some people think they have connection in this life, but they have, you know, like you're an authority. You're a person of authority. And so every time in life, deal with authority, people of authority. This is a man with a letter from the king. And he gave the letters directly to the kings and not to just anybody. That, look, this is a letter from a king who is over all of us. And this is the assignment I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to do. So you see it. The next point I'm going to give us was, uh, is what is um, enemies, opposition. This Sambalat and Tobiah, people always think maybe they are mere people. They were governors of their places. Sambalat was governor of Samaria and um, Tobiah was the governor of the uh, Ammonites. They were not ordinary people. So instantly when the letter had come to them, they had seen it that, okay, this is what this man is about to do. Amen. Okay, before authority, to, okay, yes, let me just go there and I'll come back to the next point. 
Every time in life God gives you an assignment, opposition will rise up. Definitely. Except you are not doing anything significant. Amen. Are, 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 we, are, we, are we together? Except you are not doing anything of value. Because you are fighting against darkness. And so, when you are coming up, you are shining light. There are people who don't want others to shine. Look at what it says. So when Sambalat and Tobiah, the Ammonite of, official head of it, they were deeply disturbed that a man had come to seek the well-being of the children of Israel. So their problem was that somebody has come for the well-being of what? Of the children of Israel. That was their only problem. So you, are, you matter every time you are doing something that has to do with the life and destiny of other people. The enemy is definitely going to fight it. He's going to bring different... There are people who don't want others to succeed. It's just a natural, like, it's just part of them. Of course, these cities, um, um, Jerusalem was close to, was close to Samaria and um, close to the place of the Ammonites. And they, it was a problem for them because um, Jerusalem was a great nation. Israel was a great nation. Before they, they fell, they disobeyed God. And after falling, they were using, they, like they were feeding, amen, together, are we together? They were feeding from Jerusalem. It's just like if they, were, if they are looking for cheap labor, the best place to go to is Jerusalem at the time. Like, oh, these guys, like, come on, let's employ people. Because they feel if they are going to employ their people, it's going to be more expensive. Now, let me go, let me say something. There are things that are very cheap in China today. Why? Cheap labor. Because they are overpopulated. And they said, like, um, um, Apple, for example, is an American company. But why are they going to China? Because there's cheap labor there. And the same way in those days, like, they want to employ people. You know, they just come, come, give you. We're going to see that further in, um, in the book of Nehemiah. So they were oppressing these people. And so they felt if these people are going to be liberated, then it's going to affect their, their, their well-being. It's going to affect their profit. Amen. And so every time in life you're doing something, just know there are people who are going to hate you. They don't hate you because you're a bad person. They hate you because of the good you're about to do. Let me give us one illustration. I'm not going to call it names of places. Let's just say A to B in a certain nation, it's a very frequent route. Like people always use that route very well. And the only thing available, you only have you know, airplane and the road. Now that road, there are many big business people who they are millionaires, billionaires, who run that route. They are, uh, if you want to transport, let's say, um, human beings, like buses and dress, there are people who, that's their business. If you want to transport cargo, there's another person who is a billionaire who does his business. Now, they bring a young minister of sport, uh, transport, sorry, who comes into the scene, and, and then the airplane is very, air ticket is very expensive. And then they bring in this Minister of Transportation, and it's like a lot of accidents, um, traffic, and just for a very short distance. How about we create a rail line? Now, when it's going to create that, what's going to happen? It's going to affect the businesses of what? Of the other people. And so what we they do? They will do everything possible to frustrate this person. So he's doing something good, but you see those people on top in power, they are now fighting the good he's doing. Why? Not because what he's doing is good, is bad, but because of what is because what he's doing is going to affect their pockets, it's going to affect the fact they are oppressing other people. Amen. So every time you do things in life, every time you're about to do something in life, there are people who are never going to be comfortable with it. And don't care about those people. Just keep moving. It's your vision. God didn't give it to them, He gave it to you. 
So why bother about what other people are saying or how much they hate you and hate what you're doing? There are many people they don't like to be hated in this like actually nobody likes to be hated. Is there anybody who loves to be hated? Like you love haters, you're like hater number one, hater two, three. Nobody likes haters. Amen. But you cannot do without it. Jesus Christ himself had haters. Adam, they just created Adam. He doesn't know any innocent Adam. The enemy hated him instantly because there was a battle in the ages before he was born. And you're like, ah, how can God give this person all this authority? And so he just hated him. Did he do anything? No. He was just born and somebody just hated him. So you, anything you're doing, just know you're going to have haters, you're going to have enemies. And the most important thing, just keep moving. Let's go to the next point. This is going to be 15th point. Accepting, so I'm going back to verse 19. This was supposed to be 14th, but I jumped. So we're going to verse, uh, verse 9. Then I went to the governors in the region beyond the river and gave them the, uh, the king's letters. Now the king had sent captains of the army and horsemen with me. Two things here. Um, the king had sent captain of army. This is supposed to be, you know, this man, the hand of God was upon his life. And many a times, you know, in life, I, I, I even saw a video yesterday and somebody was, you know, criticizing even uh, men of God, for example, who use police and dress. How many of us have actually asked such a question before? Like, why is this man using police? Why is he using security today? I thought God is protector. Why is God not protecting him? I, I, okay, no, but okay, you are not extreme, you know. But I saw a video like that and I was like, wow, like, it just answers like, I have the answer in my Bible. And, and this is a man of God who was, who had told the king that, look, the hand of God is upon me. And, like, and the king released him. But then the king initiated the fact that, you know what, you need security today. You were serving in the palace before. Uh, you were, you are not even before. You are still serving here because when you leave here, you're returning. And the king was aware of how dirty the road was. And he was like, you know, let me give you army. Now, he didn't request for it. I think if he had requested for it also, the king loved him so much that he would have given it to him. But then the king thought it himself. Now, what, what this does is, of course, God is the one who protects us. But it's just sense. Like, when I say sense, uh, what do I mean by that? It's wisdom. There are some things you don't need to pray for. Amen. There are some things you don't need. There's some people pray, pray, pray. Like, there are some things you don't need to pray for. Like, it's just there. Just like somebody will right now, like, you know today, like, you have, you, you just wake up in the morning, God, should I go for my class? Are you stupid? Go for your class. There's something you don't pray for. Say, should I wear this shirt? Like, I know, like, there's somebody, I had one friend, in those days in course, I had, he was so angry, he had a groupmate who, who would come to class and like, you know this shirt I'm wearing? God asked me to wear it. And like, kind of rubbish, like, he was so angry with the guy. That's just carrying chop, chop, chop all his life. See, but when it's time to answer question, like God does not <laughs> tell him to answer the question. So there are people, so sometimes you know, there are some things you don't need to pray for. Like God has made it available for you. Now, um, these people they were on a, a, a course here, and they were exposed to danger. Now let let's let's check the story of the man who had traveled before him so many years before time from the same empire, from the same Persian empire, back to. Jerusalem. Go to Ezra chapter 8 verse 21. This one didn't travel with security details but see what he had to say. 
Ezra 8, 21 to 23. Then I proclaimed a fast. This man, for this man to travel, he needed to fast. But Nehemiah, there was no need for him to fast. I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Ava that we might humble ourselves before our God to seek from him the right way for us that is to know the right way. And our little ones, these people, they've never been to their countries before. This is their first time. And for our little ones and all our possessions. For, now, see what he said. He said, for I was ashamed to request of the king an escort of soldiers and horsemen to help us against the enemy on the road because we had spoken to the king saying, the hand of our God is upon all those for good, uh, upon all those for good who seek him, but his power and his wrath are against all those who forsake him. For we, so we fasted and entreated our God for this and he answered our prayers. So for these people to pray, they needed to go pray, 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 so that they would have peace on the way. But for this other man, he didn't, his prayer point was not against people on the way. He just moved because of what? He had security attachment. So sometimes God has made some things available to you. Just use it. Why, like, why try to sound deep? Amen. Just use it. Amen. Now the next point I'm going to give to us is first-hand study and observation. Let's go to the same in Maya chapter 2. I'm going to read from verse 11 to 15. So I came to Jerusalem and there was, and, and was there three days. Then I arose in the night and I and a few men with me, I told no one what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem, nor was there any animal with me except the one which I rode on. And I went out by night through the valley gate to the, um, to the serpent well and the refuse gate and viewed the walls of Jerusalem which were broken down and its gates which were burned with fire. Then I came on to the fountain gate and to the king's pool, but there was no room for the animal under, under me to pass. So I went up in the night by the valley and viewed the wall. Then I returned and entered by, by the valley and so returned. Now, the lesson I want us to get here is this man, he went for first hand. Remember, his brothers had told him what, what happened to the war. Now, in order for him to know the job to be done, he didn't call anybody. Like He went, he checked it himself. So, when he's speaking that this is what we're about to do, like he's very clear. Like He had practical plan now. Okay, I want to do this. Okay, this thing, did he say, so I was sleeping in the night and then God told me, now, like, that gate is broken, this one is broken, this one is No, he went, he did, this is, he made use of his mind. Like, I told us last week, or I keep saying every time this church, we are first spirit, we have a soul, and we are living in the body. Now, the vision and everything, you know, that conviction came from what, the place of the spirit. But then, he needed to utilize the mind. And it's the place of the mind, and the place of the soul, where we do a lot of planning. God won't come and start to draw plans for you. You ought to, you know, you need the facts yourself. And then we have a body, and it's the body we're going to use to what to, um, we're going to apply what we want to do with our body. Amen. So, first-hand plan is important. Uh, first-hand information is important. This is what you want to do. And it just helps you. That is, you're not moving with, uh, as though you're deceiving yourself. You are sure of what you are doing. So every point in time, any project, make use of your mind. He had first-hand study and observation. There are three types of engineers in, the world, in this world. Like, even three types of doctors. No, no, no. Well, let me just go to engineering place first. If I talk about engineering, I think maybe some people will be able to also put it as three types of doctors also. 
um, we have the engineer who did not go to school. You know those people? Those, like, those people are engineers. Like, ZD Bricklayer, and those ones did not go to school. They can, they can do it very, as a matter of fact, so, so many people love those ones because of all, they are very cheap. They did not go to school. They can just do anything you, um, you want. And then we have the engineers, theoretical engineers. They went to school. It's only theory that is in their head. They can tell you all the mathematical calculation, but once they touch electricity, they don't know any, like, the practical aspects, they're on zero. They, they can begin to tell you, like, they tell you, you know, this is how it is. They even tell you the sign, the cosine behind this building. The, so, this, this building, like, but now, tell them, oh yeah, do. Mm -mm. They don't know it. Amen. And then, we have the third set of engineers. These are the best engineers. They went to school, they have the theory, and they also have practical. I think that's why these days people have industrial training, like IT, and um, even in the medical field also, that's why there's internship. Uh, no matter the amount of summer practice, some people just manufacture letters for, no matter <laughs> the amount they do, uh, they won't know as much as they should. Amen. Amen. So, but the practical aspect, you know, you go for internship, you go for house job. And they say it's medical what? Medical practice. So you have theory and you keep practice, practicing, you know, you keep getting, you know, get better and better and better by practical. And so, as the same thing Nehemiah applied, he had theory already. They had told him what was wrong with the world. But he went, he checked it out himself, and he was sure that this is the detail. This is what is to happen. Amen. I, I'll just give us a very short story. Uh, okay, it's funny to me. I just pray it's going to be funny to you. And uh, I, one time my dad was building um, one house like that. And we had this uncle, he can talk, like, you know, this, I can do this, I can't, like, they begin to do that. I remember that job. They, 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 they've done everything in this world. And we, my dad trusted him, like, okay, go be the engineer in the side. So he started, first of all, he was stealing money that was by the side. Then the second partner, they were going to do decking for the place. And uh, many people who know engineering very well, like civil engineering very well, you know, the best way to deck is actually to do the decking together with the stairs because it's going to be, you know, more, you know, firm. So he got that part right. But they did the stairs in such a way that you can't, like, you can't go up. <laughs> Like you can't go, there's like, you, you are confused, where's the entrance? And now because of the attachment also, you, they could not break it. Because the, once they start breaking the stairs, it's affecting the decking also. So it is irreversible. And when my dad checked the thing, yeah, he traveled back to village on his own. <laughs> like nobody told him, like he just, he just ran it. They had to create new stairs there. Now, he's not an engineer, but, you know, I can do, I can do, I can do. So, and many of us in life, we have many people who, they know all things, but then when you go into details, like, they start fumbling. So, even as a leader, every time, you know, things you say, check, you know, get your uh, details right, get your facts right. Amen. The next one now is understanding of times and seasons. Nehemiah knew when to say what, who to say what to. Not just, there are many people like God has given them a vision, and the way they begin to tell you about the vision, as if no, they are finished. 
and sometimes you begin to empathize and you begin to wonder like but wait why is this person telling me this thing they, they just do, 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 do. like it's has nothing to do with you at that particular point in time and so every time you have something like look at what it says um in verse 11 it said he moved for three days he didn't tell anybody because it was not yet their business the only people who knew about the project were just governors who a letter has been passed to already because those were the ones who matter and remember the reason, the reason why they had those letters because they were instruments needed to collect from them so if there if, if, if there were no instruments needed to get from them then there is no business it was not their business to know at, the, at that particular point in time. Look at what the Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 11. I'll use NLT. It says, I have observed something else under the sun. The fastest runner doesn't always win the race, and the strongest warrior doesn't always win the battle. The wise sometimes go hungry, and the skillful are not necessarily wealthy, and those who are educated don't always lead successful lives. It is all decided by chance that is being at the right place and at the right time. So it's about timing. The Bible says in the book of, I think, 1 Chronicles says that what? And the children of Issachar, they were what? They had clear understanding of times and seasons, and their brethren were at their command. So people who are custodians of time, people who know when to apply what? They keep moving clearly. Like, there's always peace. If, for example, uh, many of us know how to do this keeping rope stuff. You know, maybe two people at the end. And the best, like, first of all, you need two things coordination and understanding of time. And there are some people who in this life, they can never do it. Like, the rope always will come their head. Like, why you see some people even moving, dancing, some people can even jog ball on that, like, different skills. So, the thing here is, like, this person understands the time connected to that game, but there are people, like, at all. So, everything you're doing, time is important if you want to be successful. Knowing when to say what to do. Verse 16 to 17. Now, after he had checked everything, say, and the officials did not know where I had gone or what I had done, I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, or the others who did the work. Then I said to them, you see, look, so after checking everything, then, now it is necessary for them to know. Then I said to them, you see the distress, you see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies waste and its gates are burned with fire. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem. There will no longer be a reproach. Amen. So that timing is important. 18th lesson to learn from his life. Now, I'll put it this way. The first time when the king permitted him, talked about the end of God. So the king did that. The end of God in the Old Testament practically represented the anointing. So Nehemiah was an anointed person. It is God's anointing was on his life. Now, it is one thing to be generally anointed. Like, you are of God, you are anointed. But it's on that thing to be anointed for a task. Do you understand? So, if, for example, your anointing is just like an instrument that has been given to you, that imagine if I give you a stethoscope and you're using it to cut grass, that's abuse, and it can never happen. It's, it's going to be difficult for you. Amen. So, he had a specific anointing. And, and the children of Israel, they understood the, the importance of the anointing. They are not going to listen to anybody who is not anointed in a particular area. And you see even the Jewish question, um, Exodus chapter 31 from verse 1 to 5, it talks about um, a man, not just a man, certain persons who God had anointed, the Spirit of God was upon their lives, and he has anointed them into carpentry only. 
That is, you see, you, your family are carpenters. Now, if they leave that carpentry and start to preach gospel, like start into the five-fold ministry, that is abuse of anointing. Now, I said the Spirit of God was upon their life. And they were only, they were to express the anointing in that particular field in life. So every one of us, before I go to every one of us, the children of Israel, they understood the importance of the anointing. And that is why they listened to him. Look, it says, and I told them of the hand of, of my God, which had been upon me, and also of the king's words that he had spoken to me. So they said, let us rise up and build. Then they set their hands to do this good work. But when Ezra returned, he came with the same message that I'll be anointed for this work. What was the work? To build the temple. And he finished building the temple. That was what he was anointed to do. Now, Nehemiah coming up, you know, God has stared at his and was anointed to build the wall, to rebuild the wall. So every one of us here, God has anointed us for a reason. Now, there's a difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament, just certain persons were anointed. Just few people had that anointing. But in our dispensation, all of us, we are all anointed. You are anointed of Christ. The, in short, the word Christ means the anointing. And we are Christ. So we'll be anointed for this season, for a reason. Joel chapter 2 verse 28 says, And it shall come to pass afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, on all, not on some, and point out my spirit on all. He said that what? And it shall come to pass. It shall come to pass afterward. Now, this is the time. Remember when Peter preached his first gospel and the people began to ask, what is this? And then he said, look, can't you remember what the prophet Joel said? and shall come to pass. And this is the time that it has come to pass. And this is our dispensation. And all of you, all of us in this place, we have that privilege, we have the opportunity to be anointed. Amen. Jesus Christ, now anointing, like I said, is always for a specific purpose. Jesus Christ, when he was anointed, it was, his anointing was not to come and make money. If Jesus Christ, there's anointing for wealth, I'm going to go into that. If Jesus Christ had come and start, you know, making money and just, he has abused everything God called him for. That's like, he has, that's abuse of office. And imagine if God has called you, like, look, I know everybody likes that one. You, your work in this kingdom is to make money. And you leave that money part and you begin to do something. Then what, you are, you are starving the body because the body needs you. The eye needs the hand. The hand needs the leg. Every part of the body needs other. And so all of us, we ought to function in the place where we've been anointed to. Acts chapter 10 verse 38, it says, our God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. This was his task. This was what his anointing was for. Another confirmatory verse, Luke chapter 4 verse 18 to 19. It says, this is Jesus saying, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the broken hearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable acceptable of the Lord. This was what his anointing was for. And so that task, that vision, that thing God has given to you, he has anointed you for it. He has anointed you for it, and it's time for you to rise up and express. And 
when they come, and you know, the anointing is very powerful, but when you see somebody who is forcing something, you know. Like everybody just knows, like this person is forcing. But you come, open you yourself, you know that you are forcing it. But you are just deceiving yourself. Say one day I will pick up. You go, you won't pick up. Just keep doing that. That if you are faithful in that area God has called you to do, then you will add others to you. But if you are not faithful in it, you are trying to go somewhere else, you are trying to cross. It's not going to trust a man who, who, you know, who is wavering, who is neither here nor there. Amen. Another man I love so much, Cyrus, he was anointed to make money. This was his anointing. Isaiah chapter 45, verse 1 to 3. Thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right, right hand I have held, to subdue nations before him and to lose the armor of kings, to open before him the double doors so that the gates will not be shut. I will go before you and make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron. I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places that you may know that I, the Lord, who call you by your name, am the God of Israel. And that prosperity upon his life was also for a task. It was for an assignment. Because if you move over to verse 13, it says, I have raised him up in righteousness. And I will direct all his ways. He will build my city and let my exiles, that is my captive, go free. Not for a prize nor reward, says the Lord of hosts. So God has prospered this man for a task. And if you check the life of Cyrus very well, he was not really somebody who really knew God much. He didn't, like, but God used him. God anointed him. Because God knew there was need for somebody to rise up. So different spheres. Does, it, does that now mean if your own is not to make money, you are not going to be prosperous. No. Two verses in the New Testament. Third John 2 says that what? For oh, beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest what? Prosperous and be in health. Even as what? Thy soul prospereth. So God wants all of us prosperous. Second Corinthians 8 verse 9. It says that what? That though he was rich, but he became poor. So that through his poverty we might what? Become rich. So like the one for welfare, comfort, and, but there is a wealth from the Lord that, you know, like this person is working in the right dimension. We have two people who worked in that great dimension in the last century, uh, Arjun Letornio and um, uh, John D. Rockefeller. Letornio, like, if you can check him out on Wikipedia, very wealthy person. John D. Rockefeller was a tighter. The both of them were tighters and they were given to God. Till date, nobody has broken John T. Rockefeller's um, record in the world. Somebody who has at, I think, 1991 or so, is what, if they convert it to today's wealth, is over $400 billion. That is, till date, in, till date nobody has broken his record. And he was so close to God. And he was pumping the his wealth into the gospel. So God called him for that. Amen. So it's there for you. It's not like God wants you prosperous, but his problem is many of us are commercials. We just, we have bad, bad motives. Things we need money for. So once it's in line with God and he has even called you a step further for something greater, then he's going to prosper your way. If you want to go the way of the Lord. Amen. Now, another thing I want us to know is anointing is in levels. Like people have different levels. Like if it's in the worship area, for example, like God has called you and if he has anointed you and 
that song you are singing is just to bless just maybe a people, a particular people in, you know, in a particular tribe and you are doing that faithfully and they are being blessed yours is better, your life is better than somebody who has been called to minister to a continent and is reaching out to only a tribe do you understand what I'm trying to say? so it's in levels, but then the more faithful you are, you keep increasing and the anointing can come via, you know, faith means through laying of hands um, impartation by the word reading somebody's book there are many people who have imparted greatly into my life, I've never seen them in my life as a matter of fact, many of them, they are dead already like physically but today, their words are in books and every time, you know, I read them I meet up there, I feel like I'm receiving something from this particular person they are different means, just by listening to a man of God, the anointing is being imparted upon your life and today we're going to do one which is very you know, very practical, which is what um, Lynn, um, that is via the anointing oil. We saw that in the life of somewhere to David, somewhere to Saul in the Bible. Amen. Regarding the anointing, I'm talking, today's anointing service, so allow me, afterwards I'm going to you know, rush through the word. Now, the anointing is not something you can fake. You can say, oh, you know we are talking, I'm anointed. Mm-mm. Like, it's even palpable. Like you say, oh, like, oh, God has called me into this realm. Mm. And there's no expression. It's problematic. It's rather, it's even better for you to know and you are walking towards it. And when it's time, when you are so sure about it and you confess it and, you know, it's working for you, then for you to begin to say things that you are not sure of and you call it faith. I'm calling those things which be not as though they were. Like, that's a totally different. You are lying at that particular point. You are lying. That's a different trend. If you desire it, go to God. Like, God, give this thing to me. But if you don't have it yet, and I'm telling people that you don't say, come for healing. Come for this. Everybody gather, no single healing. Like, you have brought people, you have brought whose name to shame. Your own name is not God's name. Amen. Sons of Seba, Acts of the Apostles, chapter 19, verse 13 to 16. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, we exorcise you, like we, uh, we cast you out or we deliver you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Not the Jesus they believe, the one that Paul is preaching, that's what like, whom Paul preaches. Also, there were seven sons of Seba, a Jewish chief priest, who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Please, oh, no, I'm adding the please. <laughs> Jesus, I know, and Paul, I know, but who are you? Then the man in whom the spirit was leaped on, uh, was in whom the spirit, the evil spirit was, leaped on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. So this one, like, he naked, the devil is wicked. Like, if you just notice, you know, this person doesn't have power in this area, you're calling that evil so disgraceful. And if you check the next verse, it's saying that and then there was fear around. Fear of, fear of God, not fear of the Spirit. So that you don't go around calling God's name when you're not sure of what you have inside of you. So as we grow in the anointing, be sure what you have is of God. Amen. And you'll never be put to shame in the name of Jesus. The next one is ability to inspire people. When you're leading people, you inspire them. There's, uh, I think it was Truman, 
past president of America, he said something. He said, leadership is getting people to do what they didn't want to do, but loving it, liking it. Do you understand what I just said? Like, they didn't, people are people. People are definitely people. But then good leadership is when you can actually get them to that point, and then they begin to love it. They begin to enjoy it. And you can only do that by inspiring them co correctly. And the inspiration, it means now you, you draw them to a point that, look, we have a need in this place. This is a need. You take them to another point that we have the ability, we have the instrument to do it. Because if I know that there's a problem and I'm, see, I'm not seeing possibility of any problem, so why are you engaging me? Do you understand? Now, Nehemiah had the instrument. He had everything. And I told them, look, I have a letter from the king. I have this. I have this instrument. So we can do it. He's speaking to the people. He's inspiring them. And then creating an image in the people. Now, they are seeing the finished product with you. You are not the only one seeing the finished product. There's nothing as painful as when only the leader can see the end. And then the followers can't see the end. What you end up doing is you are just like, you know, uh, like goats. You are driving, hey, come here. Hey, this one is going to, you are just confused. But then when everybody can see it, we all, they all what? They move faster. They know where they are going to. You don't have to chase anybody. You don't have to look. Because everybody knows where they are going to. And so, when you are able to create that image in them, I'm telling you, you can never be conquered. Genesis chapter 11, verse 4 to 6. When they were building the Torah of Babel, they had a very good approach, but it was, um, their approach was right, but their intention was wrong. And, and they said, go, go to, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven and let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, behold, the people is one, they are united, and they have all one language. And this they begin to do. And now, nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. So, every one of them had imagination in tune. And God, like, ah, they have this, nobody, they are unstoppable. So, when you have a people who have clear imagination, they are unstoppable. And so, before you know it, and they, they were not really grounded, before you know it, the enemy comes, pollutes them. And they say, oh, this is what we have decided to do. No, we are not listening to God. Like, God, calm down today. Like, we have this one. Chill. Like, stay in your heaven. Like, amen. But God, like, oh, if this people are moving like this, it's dangerous. It's better they catch the light first. Amen. The next thing is opposition will always underestimate your abilities. They will always, like, um, look at verse 19. But Sambalad and Tobiah, the servant, the Ammonite, the Geshem, the Arabian, edit, they laughed us to scorn. And despised us and said, What is this, this thing that ye do? Lay rebel against the king. So they always look at you. They, they, like, at first, they was like, These people, they've been in bondage for so many years. So they, they, the opposition will always laugh you. There are so many people, you begin to share what you want to do. Imagine someone's like, I'll be the president of. Let me, let, me, let me even go very extreme. I'll be the president of, God told me. So when you won't start with God told me. God told me I'll be the president of the United States of America. They laugh you. Like, they, like, first of all, you're not even a citizen. You know, they begin to call different things. That so many, so opposition always laugh you, but don't give 
your ears to their laughter. As a matter of that's why it's always important when to say the reason why these people have this information is because of what they also had um, in chapter 12, 13. We're going to see that they had insiders who were supplying them information and Nehemiah took them away. And they knew what was going on and they laughed. This people cannot do it. Now the next lesson is don't respond based on your abilities. Many of us we cannot like it's so easy for us to say, Do you know who I am? Do you know where I've been to? Do you know what I have? Like, don't, re- like, that's, don't rest. That thing you have, he said, what do you have that was not given unto you? So don't, it was given to you. So that should know where you put your trust in. Put your trust in the one who gave it to you. So never, never, ever. Look, verse, um, verse 20. Then answered I them and said unto them, the God of heaven. They were laughing at their inabilities. But then this was his response. The God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore, we his servants, we arise and build, but ye have no portion, no right, no memorial in Jerusalem. So don't every time, you know, don't try to prove a point to people that I have this, I have that. As a matter of the more you begin to reveal your secrets, the more they start, it's no longer secret. Secret that is revealed is not secret. And it can be attacked. So, leave your abilities, keep it within, and keep functioning with it. Verse Seven of Psalms 20 says, Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. So, where's your trust in? Is your trust in, your, in how intelligent you are? Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 11 says, some, some educated people don't live successful lives. You are very smart. We, like last week, I talked, remember, I said, There are people who they are very intelligent. And the best, like, if only they know early, they should just go and teach and not step into the world you know, because they don't have the capacity to build, to run the other thing. Amen. The other things. So, we have very intelligent teachers in the world, but are they all successful? They know. Amen. I'm not, I love teachers. I'm not against teachers. Amen. And, um, but what I'm trying to say is, don't trust in your abilities. Don't trust in your strength. The Bible says in the book of Psalms 7 verse 5, commit thy way is unto the Lord. Trust also in him shall bring everything to pass. So when you are confessing, you confess with the understanding that God is the one backing you and not what you have in your hand. Amen. The 22nd one, second to the last lessons, that's from chapter 3. If you read from um, chapter 3, let me just read verse 1. Then Eliashib, the high priest, rose up with his brethren, the priest, and built the ship gate. They consecrated it and hung its doors. They built as far as the tower of the hundred and consecrated it. Then as far as the tower of Ananel, next to Eliab, he kept the oath of chapter 3 is him telling the story of, okay, who did this? Who is functioning here? This is their responsibility. So the next point, like, engage people. Remember last week I said, if you have people, you are very rich in this life. That's all you need have people walking with you and there's a, a saying an African proverb that united we stand divided we what we fall um, Mark gospel chapter 3 I think verse 25 it says a kingdom divided against itself shall not what it cannot stand so all of them together corporation everybody all united irrespective of their um, portfolios and places in the society, they were all engaging in it. 
So every time, even as a church for us to grow, you are important. Everyone is important. Every single person is important. Not, don't, don't see yourself as one insignificant person. You are very significant. You matter. You are part of the body of Christ. And so you might just be that eye we need. But our eyes are in another place. So we need your eye. Come and see for us. You might just be that leg. You might be that hand we need. So come to your place and function your place. And every time you are working with people also, treat people as very important beings. Amen. The last one, but not the least for this series, but the last for today. Great leaders or men on mission get to know people. They know people. The whole of chapter 3 was calling people and their duties. And it showed you the kind of person Nehemiah was. If I come to the, like, I think confidently or boldly, I can actually call the names of 95% of you in this room. Like, I can do, like, and then maybe son name and name of 70%. And everybody feel welcomed. They feel loved when you call them by their name. I know, ace, ace, ace. <laughs> Put that spent here. Like, but then imagine if, you know, this is Nehemiah, our leader, our governor, because he became a, their governor automatically. Calling you by, calling them by their name, like, wow, you, you, you just, did you hear that? Did you hear, did you say, hear what? Called me by my name. Like, imagine if, you know, let's say Putin now comes to this place and he just calls my name. Like, I feel good. Like, let him call my name. <laughs> I feel so good. Like, he, called, he knows my name. And leaders know their people. He knew, even as far as where they were staying, the houses they were from, their brethren, their sisters, their family. And so, as a leader, nobody wants somebody who just come one day he doesn't know us really just just like that and one and just giving instruction this one the way you not listen to somebody like but somebody who knows you very well who you know is connected to you you easily flow with that person though sometimes it comes with a lot of difficulties but it's fine the most important thing is achieving the goal never come and say that uh, knowing people is not my thing means leading is not your thing. Amen. Knowing people can be learned. He didn't know these people before. He like just came and they knowing all of them. So that's to tell you that people are important. Learn to work with people effectively and love the people you are working with. Amen. Can we be on our feet? Just worship his holy name. Besides that of the anointing, we're going to be praying for special. Can you just speak to him? Speak to him right now. Ability to take action, to keep taking action. That you be a man and woman of action. The grace to deal authority to authority. to maximize instruments within your reach. 
ability to inspire people, understanding of times and seasons, ability to respond to oppositions correctly. Karatani Anoske Hedebo Shkahaladaski Hedebo Shkahaladaski Hedebo Shkahaladaski Hedebo Shkahaladaski 